All the children who'd like to come forward and join me up here for a moment. And if you're worshiping online, just get a little closer to your screen so we can share some special time together. I think we've got lots of kids here today with all our singers and worship leaders. Come on up. Great to see you all. I'm glad to see you wearing some warm sweaters. It's chilly in here, isn't it? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What a great group we have. Come on up and have a seat. All right. Come on up. Take a seat. My goodness gracious. I think we've broken a record today. This is so wonderful. Makes me so happy to see all of your faces, to know that we're here at church together. Well, there was uh, a man who lived hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and he was a Christian, he was a follower of Jesus, and he was thinking about what it means to love God and love other people. And into his mind came this image of, well, this is my drawing, it's nowhere near as good perhaps as he might have drawn, but it's like a wheel, sort of with God in the middle and all of us in a circle around God, that we all have our own relationship with God. And so this line is like our love for God. And he said, you know, if we draw closer to God, we also come closer to each other. All these points, as we get closer to God, we get closer and closer to each other. Or if we try and grow closer to other people, then that also brings us closer to God. You know, Jesus said the most important things are to love God and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And when we are in relationship with God, it means we are just like everybody else and we're called to love everybody. And the closer we get to God, the more like God we become, the more we're able to love everybody. Our story today is about two people who were really far apart. One of them especially tried to say he was really different from the other guy. But really, in God's eyes, they're just alike. And God loves them both just the same. Let's pray together. Gracious God, remind us that you love us so much. You love us unconditionally. You love us completely. We can't even measure how much you love us. And you love everyone else just the same. So help us to treat other people as you would have us treat them. Help us to love them too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much for listening. Okay, you know how it goes. If you are three, four, or five, you can go to Children's Church with Pastor Maggie and Pastor Stacy. And if you're older than that, you can go back and sit with parents or friends. Are you four? Okay, you can go down that door with Pastor Maggie. <laughs> oh my goodness, there's so many wonderful things happening in worship today. I don't think I need to preach, y'all. <laughs> I'll just take a few minutes to reflect on this short parable, but powerful parable. 
One of the things I appreciate about Luke, the writer of this gospel, is that sometimes he tells us something about a parable before we read it. He gives us a clue of what he thinks it's about. And I just love the way he introduces this parable. Jesus told this parable to those who considered themselves righteous and looked with others on, with contempt. Yes! Jesus is going after those narrow-minded, self-righteous, judgmental people. I want to grab a bowl of popcorn and just listen to what Jesus says. Because there's nothing that bothers me more than judgmental Christians. Get on my nerves. So, I want to jump right in. And, you know, we've seen this kind of spirit of judgmentalism. We, all you have to do is get in your car and drive around and look at some of the billboards or church signs that, you know, if you die tomorrow, do you know where you're going? One of my favorites that we saw a few years ago is, Dusty Bibles Lead to Dirty Lives. Dang. I'm not sure I want to, hey, let's go to that church and see how we fit in, how welcomed we are. So yeah, ready. Let's see what Jesus has to say in this parable. So we have this Pharisee. Well, already we know all about the Pharisees. I mean, we understand that the Pharisees were hypocrites. They were legalistic. They were judgmental. They thought they were better than everybody. And then we have a tax collector. We've seen over and over again in the Gospels, the tax collectors are really just rogues with, you know, golden hearts. They seem like the bad guys, but they're really the ones who get it. So let's see what these two guys do. They go to pray in the temple. And of course, the Pharisee stands up in front of everyone and says, I thank you, God, that I am not like... And he has this whole long list of all the people he's better than. And then there's the tax collector standing way off by himself. And he can't even look up to heaven. He's just throwing himself at the mercy of God. He recognizes his own sin, his own brokenness. He recognizes his need for God's mercy. And as the parable comes to a close, Jesus says, now which one of these men went home justified? Which one of these men was made right with God? Which one of these men received God's mercy and grace? And it's obvious It wasn't the Pharisee because the Pharisee left no room for God to justify him. The Pharisee spent his whole prayer justifying himself, making this long list of all the good things that he does. And there's no room for God's mercy, no room for God's love. The tax collector does nothing to to promote himself he admits his, he breaks himself wide open and names his need for God. And so he is the one who is filled by God's grace and justified and made right with God. So I come to the end of this parable and I think, boy, am I glad I am not like that Pharisee. Whoops. I think I came out at the wrong place. If we read this parable, if we get on the slide of this parable and we come out that way, we've ended up in the wrong place and we've missed the whole point of the parable. If we come to the end of the parable and we think, boy, am I glad I am not (laughs) self-righteous. Am I glad I am not judgmental? 
like those people, like that Pharisee, then we got to go back to the beginning and take another jump into the parable. Because these parables are meant for me and they're meant for you. They're meant for all of us. So we have to try again. Perhaps one way to enter the parable is to take the guidance of uh, Fred Craddock, who wrote one of the commentaries I read for this week, and he reminded me, he reminds us, that for Jesus listeners, there is shock value to the Pharisee and the tax collector being examples in this story. For Jesus listeners, the Pharisees were examples of what faithful living looked like. We get in our minds that they were these two dimensional, legalistic, judgmental, but they were um, complex. They were the closest to Jesus in theology, and that's one reason he engaged with them so often. They were considered the the more open-minded, the leaders of the people. They were ones who were out in the synagogues, in the countrysides, teaching, believing that all people needed access to the scriptures. It didn't need to just be locked up in the temple in Jerusalem. And even this Pharisee was an example of, of a good life. He was fasting twice a week. He tithed. He was generous with what he had. He was praying. He was in the temple. It wasn't as if he was leading a dark life on the sides. He wasn't embezzling money. He wasn't having affairs over on the side. He was, he was a good man living a good life. And the tax collector, again, we are used to the tax collectors, and we'll meet one next week in Zacchaeus, being ones who, who saw Jesus for who he was and who followed Jesus. But in Jesus' day, they were not considered to be good people. Their life, their very lives were offensive. They took advantage of their own people for greed. They collaborated with the Roman Empire to get money off of their own people. And this guy was probably one who had knocked on the doors of many of the people in Jesus' audience. And so for him to use these two as examples and to lift up the tax collector in the end was really shocking. And it invites us, I think, who are trying to follow Jesus and trying to live good lives to to consider the Pharisee. And is there perhaps a bit of the Pharisee in me? What is the problem with the Pharisee in this parable is not that he does all of these good things. That's wonderful. The problem is that he looks at his brother across the temple with contempt. He sees that his religious practice, his beliefs, everything that that he clings to makes him better than the tax collector and makes him better than thieves and rogues and the whole list of people. And I think, is that true for me? I, for one, am, am very proud of the sign that we have outside of our church. I have it on my car as a bumper sticker that we announce to the world our belief that God loves everyone unconditionally. I believe that our understanding of the gospel is, is right. I wouldn't be up here if I didn't. The problem comes... When I then look at my neighbor who may disagree with me or who may have a different understanding 
and I think I'm better. And I wonder deep down, do I think really God is just a little more pleased with me than God is with them? That, I, that I'm a little more in with God than, than they are? That God joins me in my, look at that church sign. If my goodness, if my theology, if my beliefs, if my religion separate me from my neighbor in any way, there's something wrong. What this parable calls us to is humility. Now, humility is not debasing ourselves. It's not getting, going before God and saying, I'm a terrible worm. Humility, as the ancient Christian church has taught us, is right-sizing our understanding of ourselves before God. Understanding that we are deeply beloved by God. We are loved unconditionally, accepted as we are, welcomed by God, by God's grace, and not by our deserving. And no more or no less than anyone else. It's like the, the drawing I shared with the children. It actually comes from Dorotheus of Gaza, who lived centuries ago, and who taught us that the closer we draw to God, the closer we are meant to draw to one another. And what we see in this parable is two men standing very far apart. So what invitation I hear in this parable, among many others, is an invitation to the practice of proximity. That rather than separating ourselves from those with whom we disagree or whose lifestyle is different from ours or those we might not approve of, instead to draw close. It is so easy in our day just to surround ourselves in an echo chamber with people who look like we do, think like we do, vote like we do, are educated as we are, all of these things. And we get more and more entrenched and the gaps between us grow and the contempt grows. But our God calls us to recognize our oneness, our common humanity. And the best way for us to do that is to be near each other, to draw near to one another. When I was visiting Duke University a couple of weeks ago, I got to hear Brian Stevenson speak. He is the author of Just Mercy, the founder of the Innocence Project, has spent a lot of time working in prisons and on death row, and he talks a lot about proximity is what we need in our world right now. Drawing closer to those on the margins, to hear their stories, to learn what they struggle with and what their suffering is, so that we don't stand from a distance and try to decide what's best for the poor but we know by relationship what the struggles are and what the solutions might be. It's easy to stand apart and throw pot shots at each other, but when we sit down at the table side by side and share and listen, we recognize our common humanity. So I wonder, what would have happened if the Pharisee had drawn a little bit closer to the tax collector. I don't think the tax collector had him in him in that moment to draw any closer to anyone else. 
But if part of the Pharisee's goodness had led him to compassion, to reach out and stand next to him, maybe both of them might have gone home changed. <laughs>